We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. April 1st, 2021 is officially the month of the NFL Draft. This is also the Pack of Day podcast. It's Thursday. Welcome to the show, guys. I am your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am with a new crew as the tradition is rolling on here at the Pack of Day podcast in the month of April. We change some things up. We bring some new guys in. So the first guy we have in here is Rob Rieger. Rob, how are we doing today down in sunny Florida? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's great to be in finally into into the draft season. You know, I've been watching, trying to get into a lot of film, but you know, now that April's here, that's exciting. Uh, last year, I you know joined the crew for the the pack a day, and it was awesome. I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I'm real grateful to to be asked back. So hopefully, I can uh, give give some of my knowledge to the team. So Rob, when you're not doing the pack a day podcast, you obviously do some other stuff related to football. So since you're a guest, let's talk talk a little bit about what you do on the side as well. Okay, um, I, I am the the host. Uh, I do a uh, draft show with uh, Drew and KB show uh, in Milwaukee. It's a, a pretty popular sports radio show, ninety six nine, and um, I've been doing that for five years now. So they bring me aboard just for draft season, and then you know I got to know those guys really well and actually won a contest five years ago to do it. So they continuing to dry, uh, bring me back. I do a lot of solo solo work. I do all my rankings. I do mock drafts. And I've actually been doing this since college. 
And back in long time ago, back in the 90s, I started doing this stuff before it became really vogue or popular. And just just enjoyed it quite a bit. Love evaluating players. Love seeing how they work out. And also am a contributor and writer for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide as well. I cover the quarterbacks and the sleepers section every year. Which, for those of you that are interested in that, that comes out on April 10th. Go ahead and get your pre-orders in now for $9.99. You'll catch me doing the tight ends and the pro side of the Packers selection of Jordan Love, a feature that we did in there. So that was an interesting little project that we put together. Also joined uh, by Eli Berkovitz. The Book of Eli is joining us. This is your first Pack-A-Day podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eli. So welcome to the team, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. Yeah, this is my first time on Pack-A-Day. I'm really excited, and I appreciate the opportunity. So hopefully uh, we could have a good draft season these next uh, couple of months. But, yeah, I on this, I do some writing for Packer Report. Um, I also do some draft coverage for Crocker Report um, with uh, former NFL defensive back Eric Crocker, which I enjoy a lot. And, obviously, on, at my game on Wisconsin, doing open book with – my wonderful co-hosts, Zach and Jen. And, yeah, I'm just excited, like uh, Jacob, like you said, to open the show to get into the month of the draft and finally be getting there. Like, we've just been waiting the last few months for anything to really talk about, to get excited about, and I'm getting pretty excited about this draft because we know it's a big one considering where the Packers are at with the roster right now, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. And a wide range of uh, a wide variety of places they could go, and it wouldn't surprise me. I was talking to a guy last night about this draft for the Packers, and I said they could draft a bunch of little guys, receivers, corners, safety, stuff like that, and it wouldn't surprise me. And they could draft a bunch of big guys, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, things of that nature, and it wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, let's get into we've got two guys that we want to discuss tonight, and I promise I didn't do any negotiating, but those that have followed me on Twitter know who one of my favorite prospects for this draft is TCU safety Trevon Merrig. And I got to tell you guys, I it's my draft crush. I, I can't even begin to lie about that, but I promise Andy just did that completely out of coincidence when he assigned us our topic. Let's just start real quick. Rob, when you watch Merrig play, what is the biggest thing that jumps out at you about his abilities? I think his playmaking ability is, is probably the thing that stands out to me. He's so quick to the ball. He's so explosive. He's so decisive in his movements. You don't see a lot of wasted movement out of him. He always seems to be around the ball. And I can totally see why you'd think have him as a draft crush. Um, one of the interesting things about this year in the evaluations is that, you know, not only do we have to deal with COVID, but, you know, there's no uh, there's no combine this year. Uh, we have to rely on pro day numbers. And, you know, how they can be kind of skewed. But, I mean, he, he tested off the charts as well. I mean, he was 4-5. He was, you know, way up, and his uh, athletic score was way in the high eights, uh, which is very, very good. But, you know, I think a lot of it, it translates to the game. You'll see some certain guys that are track guys that might have track speed, but I think that with him specifically that it relates to game. So he looks really fast on the field as well as off the field. And that's not always the, always the case. You'll see guys with great testing numbers, but it doesn't translate. Um, I see him as just a, a, a dynamic playmaker. Yeah, you talk about that football speed kind of thing where, like yeah. I said, the track thing, that's great and all, but you got to be able to move, you know, kind of at the drop of the hat uh, and move move quickly that way. So, you know, I like his ability to close. There was a clip I shared. I'm no Eli Berkovitz when it comes to sharing video clips, but I did try my hand a little bit. 
uh, and threw something out there. There was a play where Merrick forces a fumble and it's recovered by Vernon Scott, and I made the joke yeah. that that'd be foreshadowing. But you know, I know you mentioned that playmaking ability, and that's something with me personally. I mean, my philosophy doesn't really matter because I'm not Brian Gutekunst. But when it comes to defensive backs, I want playmakers, and I value guys that get their hands on the ball, guys that dislodge the ball from ball carriers, guys that can tackle a little bit. That's not necessarily the the biggest attribute that I care about, but I certainly care about it, especially in this zone-heavy scheme that the Packers are probably going to end up employing under Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator now. I think that's going to matter quite a bit. Uh, I like his ability, like you said, Rob, to kind of sniff out the play, make plays on the ball, and, you know, honestly, I think he's a really good tackler as well, so I think that's something that could be really valuable. Eli, what what jumps out to you when you see Merrick on tape? It's actually what you just finished off with. The thing that jumped out to me most was his tackling. I thought his tackling was phenomenal. Just for a guy, I mean, not that he's small, but for a safety, a thinner kind of guy, he really came in uh, with just aggressive tackles. And people were, you know, a lot of safeties, you go and try to make an arm tackle, guys will slip through. He was not letting anyone get past him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I really, yeah, I really like his ability to tackle. And like you guys mentioned, just his playmaking ability, he always finds, finds a way to be around the ball and make a play on it when he can. And, yeah, like the play you mentioned with Vernon Scott, I mean, yeah, he knows how to punch a ball out or just hit someone hard enough where that ball is going to come out, whether he punched it or not. Like, he hits hard. And for a safety, we don't see that a lot. And especially on the Packers' defense where maybe it lacks a little bit of physicality, I think that can go a long way with this secondary where whether he's in the box or it's Darnell Savage in the box. But I think adding another playmaking safety like that where all of a sudden you're going to have Savage, Amos, and Merrig on the field at one time, like that'll make it extremely difficult for offenses to move the ball consistently when you have good coverage guys out there, guys who can tackle, intercept the ball, knock the ball out. So yeah, I see Merrig as the kind of guy who kind of checks all the boxes when it comes to being a safety. And I think it could be a really solid addition to the secondary. And then you could either drop Savage into the box or you could try Merrig in the box a bit. But a lot of people... Uh, Packer fans were a bit confused by the love for Merrick or other safeties in the draft because of Amos and Savage, but the Packers are still looking for that, you know, that linebacker who could, that hybrid linebacker that could drop into the box. And I think drafting someone like Merrick will allow the Packers to either put Merrick or Savage in the box more often. And that could help a lot with the defense, just adding more speed to the field, which I think they could definitely use. You know, you know, it's kind of interesting, Eli, I kind of want to just touch upon that, what you just said, is that there are snaps to be had. Um, you know, you, people just think about who your starters are. I was doing a little snap count review today, just kind of, you know, because it seems like they had a lot of safeties on the field at times. Uh, before Raven Green got hurt, and he was playing about 60% of the snaps, uh, and then after that, even, like, a guy like Will Redmond was playing, even though he's traditionally a cornerback, I think he was playing in that same position, and he's listed as a corner, but he's kind of playing that, that third safety position in our defense. And the other thing is with the Joe Barry defense, one of the things that Matt LaFleur had been talking about is that he's looking for a guy that kind of plays that um, – a different kind of defense that we're maybe used to. And um, it's one of those things that there's a lot of snaps to be had amongst those safeties, and, you know, he could definitely fit in as that third guy. Yeah, the Rams played a bunch like that last year. I mean, if you guys watch last year's Rams defense, they're tiny. I mean, they play they play little guys a lot, and the Packers, I think, are going to try and do something very similar. If you think, I mean, for as much as we love Raven Green, this would be a potentially very significant upgrade 
to a position like that one, and obviously real Will Redmond as well. You guys kind of started talking about fits and stuff like that. Uh, Eli kind of went on that. Rob, where do you think, like, if he were drafted tomorrow, which obviously the draft's not tomorrow, but if he were drafted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And training camp started the next day. Where do you see him fitting in on this defense? I would definitely see him as a guy who could cover tight ends. He probably is very good in coverage traditionally, uh, seven career interceptions. So, I mean, he's a guy that, that has ball skills for sure. Um, but that would be one of the things that I'd look maybe a little bit of a slot receiver. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a true safety. He's not one of these hybrid guys. So he would be a guy that would, would play that position. Um, the, what I meant to mention earlier is that with, the Vic Fangio defense has become kind of the vogue thing that they're trying to look for in Joe Barry, a guy that can run that defense. Uh, they're Like you had said, Jacob, they always play small guys. They play a lot of small safeties, a lot of guys with uh, nice cover skills. So I think that at that 6, I think it's like six one two o two. that's perfect size for the kind of that third safety that can play in the box but can also back off and cover if you want to send somebody else, and it gives them a lot of flexibility. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And I like the idea of being able to just move those guys, Savage, Amos, and Merrig, all over the place to where you don't have to have it set to where this guy is playing the slot corner spot because both he and Savage can do that. Or you can move guys around in the box to where Amos can do stuff like that. Or you can play all those guys deep. And... Depth's not a bad thing to have either. I mean, I know Savage hasn't missed a ton of time since he came to the league. Amos, I don't think, has missed a game since he's come. Well, he missed. He got he hurt as a peck in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. So the game was already over by that point, so it didn't matter. Didn't even notice at that point. So I know that's 
obviously going to matter, but having another guy that can almost keep things interchangeable if one of those guys were to miss some time doesn't hurt either. The The next question I have for you guys before we get in here, where would you feel comfortable drafting this player? Is he a first-round pick? Would you guys – and then, like, let's go one step further. If you think he's a first-round pick, would you trade up for someone like him? I'm not saying you got to trade two firsts or something to get like that, but, you know, say you're moving from 29 to 25 or – is that something you're comfortable with, or would you sell the farm and do the Marcus Davenport trade, move up there? Rob, let's start with you. Hey, see, I have him ranked as a first-rounder, but safeties have been kind of devalued. If you look at a lot of a lot of the top guys that came out last year, I thought last year's draft was a very strong uh, safety draft, but a lot of those guys that we thought maybe would, like a Xavier McKinley, you know, he ended up moving into the second round. Jeremy Chin, some of these guys that we thought might sneak into that first round, and we had them pegged for that that twenty position. They kind of dropped off. I probably wouldn't trade up for him. Maybe a couple slots, but man, if he's sitting there when we're drafting, it'd be really hard, especially with the defense that we're trying to run to to pass him up. Yeah, it'll depend on what the board looks like, obviously, and there's some other options that'll be on the board. You know, is there a tackle like Tavin Jenkins? Is there a cornerback like Greg Newsome? Is there even a receiver like Rashad Bateman or somebody like that? I mean, there are, I can go through all the options and scenarios. I'm with you. I would pick him at 29. I wouldn't move up for him unless, like, if every single option I just mentioned was gone and it's he's the last first-round player on the board, I would rather guarantee getting a first-round player in the first round. Kind of similar, not the same idea, but what they did last year with Jordan Love. That was their last graded first-round player. They went up, they got him. Merritt could be the same kind of spot here. Eli, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys both. I mean, I think he's a good player, but like Rob said, like considering the position, uh, the safety position right now, like I, maybe, like Rob said, maybe a couple spots, like if you thought – one of the teams directly in front of you might try to steal him and you move up a little bit by trading like a fourth round pick. Like I could get behind that, but I don't think uh, they would move up too much to get Merig. But yeah, if he's on the board at 29, barring some crazy fallout and someone drops in the draft, I, I would find it very hard for them to pass on him at 29. But, but yeah, like Rob said, I don't, I don't know if they need to move up that much for him, maybe a couple spots at most. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. You know, if if that comes to that point, then, you know, Gutekunst will go get his guy. He's traded up and ever. I've made this point a million times. He's traded yeah. up in every draft since he's been the general manager. So if that's his man, he's definitely willing to go up and get him. I just, you know, I don't think that that's a position you would sacrifice a ton of draft capital to move yeah, up. I mean, I, 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 would I, go ahead. No, sorry, I was just going to say that I actually like, you know, the aggressiveness from Goody that he actually is willing to trade up. He's done it in every draft. And, you know, if you have a guy, like you said, he's your guy, the last one left, or just someone you really want, yeah, it might, it'll be worth moving up for. But I don't think uh, it'll, it would need to move up, you know, inside the teens or low 20s to get him. I think once it gets to 25, 24, 25, that range, then maybe they could move up. But uh, but overall, I do like Goody's philosophy of actually being aggressive and getting the guy he wants. And Probably the other thing, you have to, yeah, you just have, you have to just consider that this guy would be – you know, essentially, if you really look at the defensive snaps, our third safety, probably on the field 60% of the time, if, if things, you know, assuming, you know, barring injury and things like that. So it's a guy that would play 60% of the time, really a guy that you trade multiple picks for to move up, probably not. Um, but who knows? 
they did trade multiple picks to move up for a guy that played zero percent of snaps. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do. Listen, you're the pro guy on that, so I'm gonna. I wait. I can't wait to hear that part of it. And the Chiefs had. Uh, That's the last guys. time I will make that joke. I promise on that <laughs> front. So let's move on. We've got our second guy here out of the wor- second worst university. Uh, on the planet, the first worst, of course, being uh, the Ohio State University. Uh, the University of Notre Dame would be that, and that's Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, and I nailed it. J-O-K is what we're going to go with for the remainder of here, so I won't even make you guys pronounce it going from here. But let's talk about this. Rob, we were talking a little bit pre-show. Uh, you like him, but are you sold kind of thing? What are your thoughts on J-O-K? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of positional um, issues that, that I'm having with him right now as, as far as where he can play. Um, one example that I, that I was kind of talking to Jacob about is that you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons last year who went number eight to the Cardinals. His one of, one of the strengths that people talk about is the fact that he could play multiple positions and so on and so forth. But in reality, he struggled at least early on in the season because he never settled into one position. So he was okay at a lot of things, but he wasn't great at anything. And that's what I see kind of with him, with the JOK, is that he's a guy that is a good player, but unless the team says, okay, look, you're going to be our outside linebacker or you're going to be um, a specific position, I don't know if the fit is there. Uh, He's also a guy, and then I'll turn it over to Eli, that I think personally looks better on his highlight reel than he does on actual film study. When you watch his highlights, he looks spectacular. But then when you actually watch every single play and you kind of evaluate what he's doing on a play-by-play basis, um, to me, he grades down a little bit lower than that. Um, but I was curious what you thought about him, Eli. Yeah, I mean, watching him, like like you said, it's a great point. His highlight reel is, is insane. Like, some of the plays he made, like, they'll just jump out at you. And if you just watch that, you'll walk away from it saying, this guy... Is, is an automatic star because he did have some incredible plays. But when looking at the full body of work, I do agree that there is kind of like a Simmons-like quality to him where it's like unless you know exactly how you want to use him, you could maybe end up using your first-round pick and having a guy that is touching on certain areas but isn't really excelling at one place. But I will say, you know, you make those crazy highlight reel kind of plays usually when you're when you do have that talent and playmaking ability – and I do think he has that, and also more importantly, kind of like what I mentioned with Merrick, but he has that physicality to him that I think would bring an attitude and a different kind of just aggressiveness to the defense that they've needed for a while, especially at the middle linebacker position. I mean, some of the hits he put on, I mean, were just some of the hardest hits I've seen in a long time, just laying guys out, just lowering, lowering his shoulder. He doesn't have to wrap yeah. people up. Lowers his shoulder, and guys are going down hard. So I really like that, and also what I like about him is his ability to cover was very impressive. Last year, according to PFF, and I know everyone has their own opinions about PFF, but he was the number four uh, graded in coverage of middle linebackers in all of college football. Uh, quarterbacks only had a 77.3 passer rating when targeting him. He's someone that I think can help out a lot in coverage of tight ends and running backs in the middle of the field, an area where the Packers have struggled a bit. And, again, just the aggressiveness he brings, like, excites me because I think the Packers need that, and some of the hits he puts down are just game-changing. But, like Rob said, I don't I don't think he's as much of a slam dunk. as this. I've seen, like, a lot of articles where he's, like, yeah. people's favorite prospect, like, overall in the whole yeah. draft. And I'm like, I get it. Like, there is excitement to him, but I don't think 
he's like some kind of slam dunk automatic guy. But I do think if you put him in the right system and you use him in the right way, he can be very successful. But it's just it's really going to come down to how you use him. I I think Rob made a great point with uh, Simmons because yeah, I, he was not utilized in the right way by the Cardinals, and for him to be a top ten pick, you kind of look at it now and you have your doubts. Obviously, he was just a rookie last year, but yeah, JOK is definitely someone that you're going to need to know how you want to use him before drafting, as opposed to trying to figure him out once he's in the building. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's a jack of all trades. You know, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. You know, it, yeah, exactly. Ahead, but... Which has some value to it, obviously. But how many times have you guys seen, I mean, I'm sure we could mention a bunch of guys, those positionless players that we talk about where you move them all over the formation, you can do so many things with them. And, like, that's all well and good. But what I told Rob before the show started was, like, where is he going to line up 65 to 70% of the time? That's what I need him to be good at. And ultimately, that's what he is. Now, is it good that he can line up in the slot and play some safety-type stuff? Great. What's he going to be in the NFL? He's going to be a linebacker. My thought on that, just kind of in general, is if you can get a stud, get a stud. Otherwise, take a few, maybe take a few more swings than you have on some later round types. You know, maybe take a swing on, you know, in the third round. Like, well, they kind of did that with Oren Burks, but take a swing on an actual player instead of an athlete on those kinds of things. To get a linebacker in the system that can play a little bit uh, and make a few more plays, because I'm good at said it for all the, you know, flowers and sunshine and rainbows that the fan base is throwing at guys like Kamal Martin, who played a grand total of 189 snaps last season, and Chris Barnes, who he did well. Uh, Gutekun said they needed more production from that position. So I don't know if he's as sold that those are, quote-unquote, the guys going into next season. And really, when we say the guys, I really mean there's one of them. If they played anything similar to the way they did last year, which new coordinator, maybe they won't, but they have one linebacker. So you know, it's kind of the point, and we'll get a chance to talk about this at some point. But to me, at inside linebacker for the Packers, take Micah Parsons, and if he's available when the Packers are drafting him, then you probably yeah. don't want him. That's that's the problem that you're going to yeah. run into. That, that's where uh, I sit on that, man. I, I, sit, I sit in the same place. You know, it's, uh, I'd love to have him, but you also have to look at history. Like, do, when did the Packers ever prioritize inside linebacker ever? You know, when do we ever, you know, third round, you mentioned Oren Burks, what was that, three, four years ago? And it was even the third round pick. Uh, I think the last time we drafted anybody in the first round was A.J. Hawk and, yep. you know, from that position. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that situation where, you know, even if I did want him to take him, I don't think they would anyways. Um, he almost seems like, and I don't know what you guys think about that, it's, it's kind of what we wanted Josh Jones to be. Yep. Like, like kind of like, 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 like we wanted we wanted Josh Jones to kind of be the way that JOK is, but he never ended up acting like that. So that's I guess my only thing where I think that m- there could be a possibility if he's available that we could do it. But I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of my thoughts on that. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch 
or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Good point. I, I Man, I thought Josh Jones was going to be like the greatest football player yeah. ever. <laughs> that game in Cincinnati a few years ago. Yeah, was, that's, yeah, it's the first thing that came to my mind. He had that one game in Cincinnati, and it was like, this guy's going to be a star. And yeah, the not There's one there. other thing that sticks out in my head, and it was the Arizona game, the day Mike McCarthy got fired. He sacks Josh Rosen in that game, and I swear it looks like he, Jones's flash plays, like you guys kind of mentioned with JOK, like his flash plays look great. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon on that play. And the only problem is, you know, down to down, yep. it's just not there with, with Josh Jones. With Okay, it's obviously a little bit better uh, on that side of things. I think he's a little more polished than Josh Jones was. But I'll be interested to see what they do. I, I agree with you, Rob. I, I don't think they'll prioritize that position. I do think they would take one in the second round if someone like Jabril Cox or something like that were available. Yeah, uh, but that's – I don't think – you know, every year we do this thing where it's like, oh, the Packers, they need a linebacker. Well, they take this one in the first round. Last year it was, right. what, Patrick Queen and Ken Murray. Right. And yeah. Oh, man. They never – they didn't. And and that's – you know, that's just the way that, it's going to be. That's what I was going to say. You know, we, we might want them. We were pining for them. You know, I loved the, both of those guys last year. And I'm like, oh, if we could just go one of those guys, it would make such a huge difference on our team. You know, after that San Francisco debacle where we couldn't stop the run with Blake Martinez, um, and then then Queen was sitting there, and then we ended up taking. Yeah, that was that was pretty heartbreaking. The fact that Queen was on the board was really like the extra push of the dagger. It was like, oh my, I, he was someone I was pounding with him and Murray both. I love them both, yeah. and but yeah, like you said, like we might love them, but the Packers just might not value that position all that highly. From no, and I think something they don't. No, it's something you can see. Like, Brian Gutekunst has been through – this will be his fourth draft. He's drafted four first-round picks already because they had the extra one, uh, obviously, a couple years ago. But they drafted a cornerback, an edge rusher, a pass defender, Darnell Savage, and a quarterback. Premier positions matter, at least it appears so far, to Brian Gutekunst. So I think if you're trying to peg where the Packers might draft, passer, pass rusher, pass blocker, pass defender. There you go. Yeah. Those are your four that you can kind of figure out from there. So we'll see if that's the case. Obviously, Gutekunst could – Buck the trend. I don't think a lot of people pegged them picking a quarterback last year. So, I mean, expect the unexpected from that side of things. We've got a little bit of time left, so we're at the end of our, our two prospects. But I just want to get a gauge for you guys on where you think these teams, let's just say their top three needs going into this draft lie. It's unlikely between now and the draft that they add anything too significant. I mean, they're not going to trade for Aaron Donald tomorrow, although that would be awesome. But they're not going to trade for Aaron Donald tomorrow or anything like that. Just – Rob, let me start with you. What do you uh, think this team's you know, three biggest needs in this draft, and does that line up with where you see the strength of this class? You know, I, I think that, you know, I, the, the Kevin King deal kind of surprised me. I wasn't sure whether we were going to go in that direction, but I would say that cornerback is definitely a need for us. It just seems like we were exploited way too much, um, King and, and Sullivan in there, uh, and we need some help. So, And it's a strong position in this draft. Uh, right tackles another position, which also happens to be very strong in this draft. So I figured if we can get some things there, and it, even interior offensive line, I think that I, I know that everyone's going to say receiver, and you guys probably are thinking receiver. I just don't see that. I, I want them to take a receiver, but I don't necessarily think they're going to do it. I think that they, in their head, they're like, you know, we, you know, we led the NFL, uh, you know, last year in several offensive categories. We have the MVP. 
and we're good. Like, we're good there. We, we're going to look at other positions and, and prioritize them. And they just don't think the receiver's the, the top priority. Um, I'd like to see a little quick guy in there. There's a couple of those this year that um, that I'd like to see maybe draft a, a slot receiver in that first round. But if I were to have to categorize as a cornerback and right tackle, would probably be my two. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I think the, the receiver thing to me is, like, I think they will take one because they don't have anybody under contract. I'm pretty sure an Adams extension is going to get done at some point. They just don't have anyone under contract after a certain point, so they have a long-term need there. If they don't take one, I don't think it's the end of the, You just saw the same receiving core throw up the number one offense in all of football. They've brought it back, and honestly – the offense could be better next year. With all due respect and love in the world to Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon is a more talented player. So you add that dynamic to this team as well. You mentioned that little guy, slot receiver, gadget type thing. I think that would be a lot of fun too. Uh, but, yeah, like a, like a Tutu Atwell or a guy like that. I, mean, I don't know if they're a first-round pick or like a Rondell Moore, uh, Eli, yeah. Elijah Moore. Uh, uh, both those guys uh, you know, would be beneficial. But you know, what do you think, Eli? Yeah, I, I agree with you. As much as I would like to see them add a receiver because you just feel like they have to do it sooner or later. But like you like you both said, they're number one offense in football. It's not a major, major need. So I would first look at cornerback because look, Kevin King, he's not he's not awful, but I'm not filled with confidence either, um, with him as our number two. And I think there's just also a depth need there. So I think cornerback could definitely be a place they look at. And right tackle is obviously going to be somewhere they need to, uh, position they need to address. So I look at it as cornerback, tackle, and then receiver probably as number three as, as their needs. But, but yeah, I mean, looking at the offense now, like I do think I, I would be pretty shocked if they don't draft one at all. I don't know, you know, I think we're discussing more in the first couple of rounds, but I do think that they're going to try to get a receiver in, in the top three rounds. I just, I think there's some really good ones and guys that would fit this offense. But as much as I as much as I want a receiver, I still don't see it as much of a need as cornerback and tackle right now because we, we saw how good this offense is. They can survive the way it is. Now, do you guys think that we're going to go internal with uh, replacing Corey Lindsley? Like, what, what, what's your gut tell you guys? I do. I think that's Lucas Patrick. I think that's yeah, I think a Lucas perfect Patrick. spot. Like for I know Patrick, you can kind of buy some time there. Maybe they'll draft a dude in the middle rounds. Drake Jackson's a popular name for something like that. Uh, but or maybe I mean that could be where we're talking about bargain free agents. I know at the like the first day of free agency they were connected to a few offensive linemen and Ben Jones is still available. So that's yeah. something that could potentially be that way if they want to go the veteran route. You know the one thing the one other thing I want to keep in everybody to keep in mind as we go through this draft process since Brian Gutekunst and Matt Lafleur have been together, one rookie one has started on day one and remained the starter and that was Darnell Savage. Jerry Alexander eventually got in the lineup pretty quickly. Elton Jenkins, same thing. But they just – this is a team and a coaching staff that does not like to play rookies if they do not absolutely have to. So that's where if we're talking – I won't be surprised next year, for example. Let's just say they draft a receiver in round two. I won't be surprised at all, at all if he's still losing snaps out to Lazard and MBS and obviously Devontae Adams and those guys. So – that's not going to surprise me in the slightest. They do not like to play rookies. So I, to answer your question directly and come full circle, Rob, I, I think that's Lucas Patrick, and yeah. then maybe they add some competition from a veteran depth standpoint and maybe draft a guy or two in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, that, you know, that's kind of what I think too. And, you, you know, the other – you know, there's a guy like Landon Dickerson. There's, there's, I mean, there's some good guys, Creed Humphrey. I mean, there's, there's some good guys in the draft this year. 
but I would be disappointed if we picked one in the in the first round because I think there are some internal guys, and, and we don't even talk about Devin Funches coming back. I mean, who knows what he has left in the tank? But he is cheap. You know, he's not going to cost as much. You know, I don't talk about Devin Funches because, frankly, I will be shocked if he makes the team. Now, granted, okay. I'm shocked they didn't cut him anyways. So. I was wrong on that front too, but I will be. The guy hasn't played football in two years. In my opinion, I think he'll have to be better than Lazard, MV, like basically be the team's number two option at receiver to make the roster. I just, I don't think that's going to happen, but I was wrong on that too. Guys, we're out of time. We're at the end of our first show here, so we did talk about Trevon Merrick and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa today from TCU and Notre Dame, respectively. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new topic, but I'll keep that a secret for a while. And we'll go into that next week. But this is our first bit of draft coverage. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Find just about anything over at Game On Wisconsin, which is at Game On WI on Twitter. And follow us on YouTube, Game On Wisconsin. Hit that little bell in the top right corner. Make sure you get our notifications for when guys like me and Eli are live on those given nights, Wednesdays and Thursdays, respectively, for those two things. Uh, Rob, if people want to find your work, I know we did this at the beginning, but plug it one more time. Um, on Twitter, I'm at NFL Draft Regs, R-E-G-S, at NFL Draft Regs. And then Eli? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Book of Eli underscore NFL. And, uh, yeah, like Jacob said, check out Open Books, uh, Open Book on Thursday nights on Game on Wisconsin. Well, that's Eli Berkovitz, uh, Packaday alumnus, uh, Zach Jacobson, and current Packadayer, Jen Mackey. So be sure to check them out. Uh, they've got some good film stuff and everything. If you guys want to see these players in action since you can't see what's going on here as we talk through everything. But we're out of time. We'll be back next week with these three. Hope you liked us and stick around enough. Thank you guys for listening, and go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.